on today's episode of Power of the Purell, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel. Hey, not much, not much hockey talk to talk about. You know, the Judd Brackett news is officially done. He's leaving. And that's really about it for the Canucks. I mean, and maybe, maybe that's for the best. We'll get a bit into that. Our guest this week is Andy Cole of TSN 1040, the producer of, in my opinion, the best sports radio show in the city right now, Alfred and Bruff. And at the end, the return of a beloved segment, Way to Go Jimmy. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Purell, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network. Not only do you get this show every week, you also get Sippin' on a 40. It's triumphant return was last week. You get the quickie, a daily hockey show from Trevor Beggs, but he is taking a break right now. And of course, Silicon Filthy, Puck Talk bull- Bullshit, new episode this Thursday. Now, as I mentioned off the top, not much Canucks news to talk about. This is a Vancouver Canucks show, but the Judd Brackett news has happened. It's done. It's over. He's leaving. Now, while that provides us with good content, the writing's on the wall. He's going to be leaving. It sounds like, from the sounds of it, I mean, he's not going to be at the draft because the draft's going to be who knows when. Not until probably September, October at the earliest this year, right? So he's gone. Fairly quiet week for the Vancouver Canucks. Everyone's waiting for the playoffs to start, essentially. At this point, you know, this is the Minnesota-Vancouver series might be the most broken down, or will be the most broken down playoff series in Vancouver history. We've got T-minus pretty much two under just under two months, probably, if everything goes according to plan, to break down Vancouver, Minnesota. So I'm not going to start doing that today. Hey, we gotta we gotta save this content for a bit. We gotta we gotta pace it out. Again, very quiet week in Canucks news and hockey news in general. I mean, other than in general hockey news, the PHWA is uh, going to start voting for the Hart Norris. Calder, all that good stuff. But hey, that's about it. And fairly quiet week. Maybe that's for the best. Not Society was not quiet this year. This week, sorry. Society was not quiet this week. Unless you've been living on a rock, you've been seeing the protests, Black Lives Matter protests in the United States. They spread all, all over the world at this point. There's a bunch in Canada, here, including here in Vancouver, Bunch over in Europe as well. And it got it got me thinking, like, do we really need sports right now? Is, is this maybe for the best? Think about in a regular year if this happened. This would be smack dab in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals here in Canada. More 
culturally important, probably the NBA Finals in the United States, of course. NBA is a lot more popular in the United States than hockey. I didn't, you don't need to be an Einstein to figure that one out. Do we really need sports right now? Maybe it's for the best that they aren't any right now. It gives us a lot of time to examine the cracks, the errors in society that have developed over hundreds and hundreds of years if you want to if you want to break it all the way down. And hey, like Thomas Trance, friend of the show Thomas Trance when he was on, he said he quoted Pat Riley sports they're the toy department of life. Now I looked up that quote. It's a it, Google says it's attributed to Howard Cosell. So I don't know if Thomas I'll, I'll give Thomas the benefit of the doubt that it was Pat Riley. I saw Howard Cassell. You know what? doesn't matter. does not matter. Thomas Rance would not lie to me like that. But sports are, you made a good point. And that was the first guest, if you remember, that was the first guest after the COVID-19 pandemic shut down the NHL season. I didn't have guests for, man, I didn't have guests for over a month. And I was hesitant to bring Thomas Rance on that, that episode. I didn't. The hockey podcast I was doing didn't seem that important. He said, yeah, it, as long as you keep that, the gist of the conversation was as long as you keep that in the back of your mind, that sports are the toy department of life and that we can enjoy these things and also keep up to date and try to make society a better place. That's what's important. And ever since then, I've been, it's been in the back of my mind doing this podcast is, First, the COVID-19 pandemic, and then the Black Lives Matter protests spring up all over the world. And sports are, and there may not be sports right now, but sports are coming back, man. You've got Serie A, the main soccer league in Italy, coming back this weekend. Premier League is coming back soon. The league is coming back soon. If you're a soccer fan like myself, it's heating up. But don't let, don't let all this stuff be forgotten. If you're a big sports fan, don't let all this, all the issues, all the all the great debates that we've had, all the great conversations I've listened to, not just in regular media, but sports media as well. You'll listen, go listen to any any big sports podcast. A lot of them do, honestly, do a pretty good job breaking down what's what's been going down. But this is my message, I guess, to every Everyone in whoever's listening in sports media, hey, don't let this stuff be forgotten. Don't don't push it back to the back of your mind because you know Premier League's coming back. Keep keep it keep it front and center, and don't let it be forgotten because sports are coming back. Because this is a very pivotal moment. I feel. Let's all, myself included, let's all keep this on an equal footing than sports for the time being. And hey, looking looking this back to the Vancouver Canucks, they're playing Minnesota. Matt Dumba announced today he's part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. How 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 am I supposed to cheer? How am I supposed to cheer against the Minnesota Wild now? Be great if someone like Matt Dumba went on a run, these playoffs, win a play-in round, win a win a playoff series. That would be a cool story. I didn't think I would have a reason to cheer, sort of for the Minnesota Wild. Hey, I'm still I'm still. On Team Canucks, embrace the fake. But having Matt Dumba go on a run with the Wild, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. 
Anyways, we mentioned it off the top. This week, our guest is none other than Andy Cole of TSN 1040, the producer of Halford and Bruff. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. So we now welcome on Power of the Purell, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel. It is Andy Cole of TSN 1040. Andy, how's it going, man? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing as well as I can be. Now, my first question is: You're what you we usually work with Halford and Bruff in the morning show. My opinion: the best morning show in the city. Now, my question to you is: Did you have to like take some sort of Simpsons test to get on the show as a producer, or was that like uh, they already know you're a fan? It's sort of a happy accident because I've been watching Simpsons my whole life, and like me and my brothers pretty much speak via Simpsons quotes, so. As soon as I started doing the morning show and I realized they were Simpsons fans, it was just like a match made in heaven because pretty much my job is to find quick Simpsons clips, which is something I was, I've been training for my whole life and I didn't even realize. Yeah. So, but just, but just like the original, like nine seasons though, nothing past that. I don't go past season nine, even that season. I mean, really season two to eight are like my, my, my wheelhouse, but uh, yeah. I'm more of the old school Simpsons guy. Yeah, I think uh, I think the general consensus is like season nine is like the cutoff for like the classic Simpsons, right? I would agree with that. I mean, I want to say they changed they changed their writing staff after season nine, and you could definitely tell the, the style of humor of the show started to change. And I guess I would have been early high school at that time, and I even remember then watching it live. Like, ah, it's just not as funny as it used to be. Yeah, I know. I watched a uh, I watched a very recent episode, like from just a couple of weeks ago, and like I know I get like everyone's old now, but all their voices sound super tired. Yeah, well, what is it? Season like thirty five or something? Yeah, it's like, up. They're in the thirties now, if you can believe it. Can't believe it's still going on, but I mean, eh, they're making money, I guess. No, they still make a ton of money for Fox, so I think that's the reason why they've never they never cancel yeah. it. So. Yeah. As I said at the top of the show, there's there's really nothing to talk about with the Canucks this week. Like, with like I'm sure like for a sports radio show, four hours a day, like you gotta you gotta like come up with stuff to talk about. But as I, as I said at the top, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe this is kind of the break we need for sports to answer some more bigger societal issues. But maybe we can get to that a bit later. But the big news was obviously Judd Brackett, right? Like that was the big news from the yeah. from the Canucks. Recently, now my question to you is: uh, I had JD Burke on last week, also TSN 1040 employee, and he did a break, great job breaking down like why it happened. But I want to get your reaction, like just like what was your reaction when Judd Brackett finally leaving, and where where do the Canucks go from here? Well, JD will be much more knowledgeable than myself on the intricacies of Brackett. Like, what's your opinion? Good thing, bad thing? Like, JD, if you want to listen to a good breakdown, listen to JD last week. He broke it down beautifully. Yeah, no, no, actually, I heard that. It sounded really good. I mean, I could understand people trying to use the people trying to paint it with a positive light. Like maybe Brackett wasn't as involved as people thought, or were there other people in the in the room that were were as big as voices. Bad, but I don't know. I just found it questionable because it's like the Canucks have been pretty bad for the past five years, and the one thing that they've kind of done well, maybe at like a fifty percent clip, is their drafting. I mean, their drafting has been perfect, but the drafting overall has been pretty good and i mean i'm not a huge betting guy but i will give him that that his rafting has been solid and i 
I was always under the impression bracket was a huge part of that. So I just really found it weird that like the one good thing you guys have done in the last half decade is drafting. And what, so why would you dismantle your team that's really given you your one silver lining in this whole mess has been, been your draft. So I was surprised by it. I was really, it seemed like a lot of egos involved and just bracket wouldn't fit into his mold or how he wanted to run things. And look, like I'm not an insider. I don't know what's going on in the room. So I can't really comment on that, but it just I like a strange move to make. Why would you dismantle the one thing you've been doing well? But hey, who knows? Maybe the drafting will continue to be really good, and maybe this will all seem silly at the end of the day. But I I, I just found it to be questionable. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common like opinion. Is the Canucks have finally had like a somewhat good draft class, and like we all know what's gone on like the last twenty years with the Canucks and their drafting. It's been absolutely terrible. It's been dog shit. So when you finally have like a good scouting department, it seems like people want to hang on to that. And when someone, like you said, like a Judd Brackett, like they leave, it kind of raises the question, well, where's the, where's the scouting department going to go here? Are we going to go back to the days when we're drafting Patrick White in the first round? Well, yeah. And like Weisbrod doesn't have a very good draft record at all. And um, I'm not sure how involved Benning was with the drafting. If he made the, well, I mean, I guess he would have had to have made the final call, obviously, but I'm not sure how much of the picks were his, him pushing those picks or if they were brackets or other voices. Like, I just don't have that information, so I can't comment. But again, I just go back to like, why, why dismantle what, what's been working? Why would you change what's been working? But I guess at the end of the day, he bracket wanted to do things differently than Benning did. And there you go. Yeah. And like, I was under the impression that Judd Brackett wanted a bunch more than, you know, a regular director of amateur scouting wanted. But just talking from J.D. Dusk, it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like more Jim Benning wants to have the final, final, final say, and maybe Judd Brackett wasn't that comfortable with it. I assume that's what it was. But, again, it's just all you can do is speculate because we don't have – we're not privy to that information. Well, that's no but... fun. You can't say we can't speculate. Let's speculate. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not, I would agree with you. It's, that's probably correct is that Benning – Brackett had a specific vision and it didn't mesh with Benning's vision, and that's the end of it. And that's where they just part ways. If you're going to speculate, I assume that's probably what it was. But again, I, I can't speak for certain on that. But to me, it sounds like just reading it from a distance, Benning wanted one thing, Brackett wanted another thing in terms of how they operate their, their drafting department and uh, or drafting, sorry, scouting department. And uh, it just didn't mesh. I don't know what the specifics of why it didn't mesh were, but obviously there were egos involved and people wanting to do things a certain way. And uh, it just didn't work for Bracket anymore. I think one of my favorite debates that come out of this whole thing is the whole debate on who's, dra- who's responsible for drafting Elias Pettersson. That's like, that's like my, the funniest shit to me. Like, imagine like Elias Pettersson scores a goal to send the Vancouver Canucks this year to the Stanley Cup final, and then everyone lines arguing, no, actually, he's, a, he's actually a bracket pick. Or no, actually, he's a Jim Benning pick. Like, people just can't give this up. Like, he's on the team, guys. Let's just, let's just relax. That's Canucks Twitter in a nutshell for you, though, right? Like, people love to make, make a, a lot. You, you have your pro-Benning your pro, pro camp and, your, and your, the Benning bros, as it were, and Twitter bros, as it were. And uh, you have those two specific camps on Twitter, and they're both very loud. Uh, yeah, people will often try and just, you know, make a lot out of nothing. You're right. I mean, it is a silly – at the end of the day, it's a silly argument or a silly discussion to have. Like, Yeah, he's on the team, guys. Let's chill out. Yeah, it seems stupid, but – I mean, I guess that's what happens when it's not sports right now is people got to talk about something. And and to be honest, I was surprised the bracket thing got as much play as it did. I mean, it's it was it was in my opinion a dumb move 
but I'm only looking at it at a distance. I don't know what went on in there specifically, but uh, the fact that there aren't any sports right now probably gave it more play than it would if there was a hockey season. Oh, absolutely. Even even if there was hockey, people would, of course, talk about it. Um, But I think part of it is being, yeah, there's no sports right now and people need to need something to talk about yeah. hey it gave yeah i'm sure it was great for you guys it was great for this podcast like hey that was a great saga to cover for three almost like almost over a month but i agree with the fact that the pandemic and everything getting shut down definitely contributed to people talking about it but to say like it wouldn't have been a story without the pandemic is kind of ridiculous like i remember having sadie Arshaw on the show patrick johnson on this show and we talked about this in january and february like it still would have been a story, but it definitely, definitely got amplified because of the situation the NHL is in right now. Well, it absolutely would have been a story, and just the way it went down and, and how public the disagreement became. It's as you say, it's fun to speculate because it seems like there's a lot of stuff there behind the scenes, and uh, all you could do is kind of wonder and guess what might have happened. Yeah, absolutely. So this off. Speaking of like front office, Jim betting this offseason, I feel is going to be pretty important for the Vancouver Canucks. With disregard like how far they go in this what I what we like to call the next misconduct network the Fugazi playoffs the fake playoffs the COVID Cup what like how important is offseason for Jim Benning and what are the moves you feel like the Canucks have to make to become you know a regular playoff contender and be a team that can you know challenge and go far whenever regular playoffs come back yeah oh, I, I mean for for Benning I think he was kind of given in a sense. I mean, this is, of course, assuming if, if hockey doesn't come back. I mean, still don't know for sure that it is. But if hockey comes back and the Canucks do decently well, if they beat the Wild and they do decently well in the playoffs, uh, Benning, in, in a sense, will get a stay of execution. Because when the season... Oh, I like, I like that phrase, stay of execution. Well, when the season concluded, the Canucks weren't doing so hot. I mean, they won a couple games at the end there, but they lost a bunch of really important games that they should have easily won. I'm thinking those two blue off the top of my head I worked a bunch of those games and the way things were looking for the Canucks when everything stopped is they might actually fall out of the play if that would have happened that probably would have been the end of Benning and his regime and um, so Benning sort of got lucky a little bit there I think that things happened the way they did because now the Canucks are in a position where they're playing a very beatable opponent in the wild and it looks like there'll be a good chance they'll make it in the postseason uh, because everybody's healthy. Uh, granted, everybody's healthy in every team, but that works specifically well for the Canucks because they get marks from out of it, right? So um, it worked well for Benning in that regard, and I think it probably will mean that he'll stay around for another year. If, the, if COVID hadn't happened and the season had went on the way it was, the Canucks might not have made it. And I mean, that, that looked like that could have been a, a distinct possibility just given how many winnable games they were giving up. yeah, uh, And if that would have happened, it could have drastically changed the landscape. So Benning got a little lucky there. I wonder, I, w- I wonder what the odds you could have gotten at the beginning of the season to get Jim Benning's job saved by a global pandemic. Like if we thought yeah. back, that's like a plus 10,000 bet right there. That would have made you a very rich man. And this is not to say, of course, that he would have necessarily lost his job, but I, my, in my opinion, it probably would have been the end of him. If, had they not have made it. Oh, if there was a if there was a total meltdown for those final you know ten twelve games, he would have been gone. Like that city would have like burned down. Not an actual riot like in twenty eleven, but online there would have been like heated heated debates. It looked like 
that looked like what was coming. I mean, you know, who, you, just, you can't you can't know for sure. I mean, maybe hell, maybe they turned it around to the last minute and won all their, their remaining games and, and come into the class full steam ahead. I mean, there's always that possibility, but it's just the way the team playing and looking towards the end there looked very tired, very and just sort of demoralized. And I I was questioning, and a lot of people were questioning inside our building if, if this was maybe you know the end of Benning if. if would not have made it, which looked like that was a distinct possibility. But, you know, I guess it's silly to talk about it now because that's not what happened. The COVID happened, and now they're in a position to make the playoffs, and it looks like they're probably going to do it. With that said, if, if they get stomped by the Wild, then Benning's in the same mess all over again. So you don't know, but – and this is, of course, even assuming we have hockey because that's the thing is every week there are these new details, but at the end of the day, nothing's confirmed. It's all just speculation, right? Like – so every day and every week, things kind of change, and that, which is irritating on my end. Granted, you totally understand why it's happening, so you can't really complain about it. There's more important things in the world than hockey right now. But at the end of the day, you're looking like, okay, well, is it or is it not going to happen? You just sort of got to wait and see. But Yeah, so you, you confirmed that TSN 1040 is the house of negativity. I'm clipping that, and I'm putting that everywhere. That's going to that's gonna spread like wildfire. House of negativity, I know. You, you report the news, and if people like it, then it's negative, I guess. But that's just the way things go. Yeah. Um, but to answer your original question, um, I think it's not so much what Benning has it's what Benning shouldn't do. Benning signs a bunch of aging vets, vets to lengthy contracts again. Uh, that will put in a very precarious position because he's done that a lot. He seems to like those aging vets with long-term deals. And for the most part, they haven't really worked out. So if Benning doesn't do that, then I think he will be in a good position. But if he starts signing some, you know, mid to late 30s guys in, in these three to five to six year deals, thinking that you need the the aging grit, I guess is one way to put it, then uh, you might be. So I, I'm more interested in what he's not going to do as opposed to what he does do. But I guess if like there was one thing I would have to, hope that they focus on I would hope like they focus on maybe defense to help Quinn Hughes because the Canucks decor is just it's not great um, and I don't know if they're going to get Stetcher or, or Tana back like both Stetcher and Hannah might be gone uh, I mean I would hope they'd be able to somehow keep one of them but I'm not sure that's going to happen it sounds like they're not I mean from everything we've been talking about prior to the pandemic it sounds like we're kind of not so stoked on re-signing Stetcher, like they were more focusing on Tanev, um, which, you know, some people disagree with, but um, there is also a real, there's also a real possibility they don't re-sign either of them. So if that happens, then what do you do? Because the decor already was struggling outside of Quinn Hughes, and Edler's not getting any younger. So if you lose Tanev and Stetcher, you really got to focus on your D and getting a strong back end behind Hughes, uh, Quinn Hughes to, to help the kid out, because as amazing as he is, it shouldn't all fall on him. It's yeah, like Quinn Hughes papers over a lot of mistakes on the Canucks blue line, as we've seen over the over this over the season, and I, we've said it on this network before. Quinn Hughes might already be the best defenseman in Canucks history, and he's played less than one full season. Dude, not might he is, and that's not just to state how good. He Shout is. out to that's Kyle like, Bowen, by the way. He was saying he's the best Canucks defenseman before the first game this season. Well, that's just more so because the Canucks haven't had very many good defensemen. Yeah, I mean had good defensemen, but they haven't had superstar defensemen. They haven't had incredible D-men. 
the Canucks have always really struggled defensively. And they've had some good D-men throughout the years, but they've never had a defenseman like Quinn Hughes. They've never had a bona fide one all-star stud D. He's literally the first guy to come along in that organization that you could tag that with. And that just shows you that, you know, since 1970, the Canucks have struggled to pick up top end D. And that's not all their fault. I mean, it's it's hard to find superstar D-men. It's probably the hardest position to find superstar D-men or superstars in is the defensive side. But, yeah, they've, they've had issues defensively since their inception, and uh, it doesn't seem to be any different right now. They really need to score up defensively and uh, help use out. Yeah, and I remember back in 2012, Alex Edward had like a 50-point season, and it looked like he was going to take that step be a stud defensive, and that turned out to be probably going to be his best season ever, right? So, yeah, like Quinn Hughes, already probably the best defenseman in Canucks history. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. Easily. I don't – yeah, easily. Like, there's no one that even – Close. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that you think the Canucks can beat the Minnesota Wild in five games. Now, I, I look at it, I see the Canucks probably have better high-end forwards. They definitely have better yeah. goaltending, but the Wild have a better defense, I would say, for sure. So that, to me, says Canucks in four or five. Like, what? How do you see this series playing out against the Wild? Sorry, play-in play in series, not playoffs, play-in series. Play-in. Yeah, I mean, I, that's... Best of five, I think the Wild would probably win one of those games, but I think the Cuffs would probably probably take it in four uh, four games, I assume. Am I doing my math right? Yeah, no, yeah. it'd be best of five. Yeah, play-ins are best of five. That's what they're proposing, at least. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I think the Wild would probably Game. They're not like a terrible team, but I think the Canucks could probably take them in four games. I don't think that would be too much of a stretch, but since they're healthy now, I mean... If this was like happening right at right at the end of the season, and they were all still banged up, it might be harder for the Canucks because they were just so injury depleted. But uh, now that they're totally healthy again, yeah, I I think it's pretty likely they'll take out the Wild in four games. If they lose that series, that would be a huge upset. Like I just don't, the Wild are by no means the favorite. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And. Just look, reading all these con- all this content that people are picking up about like the 2003 series, I'm, I'm expecting like you know Darby Hendrickson or West Walls to start playing for the Wild again. Like that's gonna give me some some PTSD. Yeah, no, I know that's uh, that series. May- still. May- maybe some maybe some photoshops of Jacob Markstrom with the beach ball instead of Jan Cluche. Yeah, the era of Canucks was short lived but spectacular offensively. They sure could have used better goaltending, and uh, uh, yeah, their D at even, like on paper, I'm trying to remember the the D lineup, but I want to say on paper their defense was pretty good. But it yeah, Javnoski, Olin, Sallow, where can you go but wrong? It, but it always seemed in trouble. Like that was even I, even I remember back then, like this the the offensively they always had to bail out the back end. Like I even remember back then, like there was so defensive break there, and you thought like. They should be better than this, considering how good it looks on paper. But at the end of the day, I think back then, I mean, I'm trying to remember so long ago now, but I just remember playing about back then was goaltending. I just they didn't have a stud goalie. If they would have back then, uh, they could have really done some damage. Yeah, yeah. I remember. But, hey, nine year old Nick thought Dan Cluchin was going to turn it around. It was like, hey, this is the playoffs. He's going to turn it on. Let's go. And like, I feel like sometimes I want to travel back in time and just slap my nine-year-old self. Like, dude, he sucks. Just get over it and like try and focus on. Hopefully, they get another goalie. Like, he's not going to figure it out. If the West, I mean, obviously, it's all 
all just fun speculation, but let's pretend for a second the West Coast Express era had Luongo in that. It would have. They would have won a cup. They would have won maybe two cups. Yeah, they would have been a. It would have been a very different outcome. Because yeah, goaltending was definitely their Achilles' heel in that era, and uh, yeah, it ultimately uh, kept them from doing too much damage. So, like, yeah, like, hey, hey, here's another question: What happens if Todd Bertuzzi's wheel, uh, wires don't cross, and he doesn't do the thing he does to Steve Moore? Maybe, maybe something's totally different there. And maybe they, hey, you can even go. Maybe they, if they don't lose a season because of the lockout, Bertuzzi would have been a very different player. That's for sure wasn't the same player at, after that happened and uh, had that not have happened um, who knows what the team would have done but at the very I could guarantee if Bertuzzi would have had a much different trajectory from then on than because he just wasn't the same guy after that no absolutely so here's the next misconduct network we are trying to start the embrace the fake movement look there's no downside in our opinion to cheering for a Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup this year if they win Hey, they win the Stanley Cup in their 50th season. A, t- a beautiful storyline. And if they lose, who cares? It's a fake cup. There's literally no downside. So I want you to give me your best your best reason why the Vancouver Canucks will win the Stanley Cup when the NHL comes back. Um, the reason the Canucks would win the cup this year is because it is the Astros Cup, and uh, if if the, it, the it would be very Canucks of them win their first ever Stanley Cup in a series in a format that is completely unprecedented and would give people reasons to to make fun of them for forever. I mean, I just maybe me being Mister Pessimistic Canucks fan his entire life and damaged by Canucks playoff hockey, but I could just totally see. Uh, uh, a Canucks Stanley Cup coming the one time when it would give people reason to question whether it's up or not. Mm-hmm. I personally, I did. I would be happy with the cup. I mean, I will take a Stanley. I don't care. Yeah, what I don't care. Happens. I don't care how it happens. Just give us this cup. Some people are really bothered by it. Some people are like, nah, don't. Do oh come on! Should. You tell me they're not up three nothing in a Stanley Cup final this year. They're gonna be like, oh, I don't want it. Come on. Dude, I'm with you. I mean, we even talked about this in the morning show. I think it was rough. I don't want to put words in mouth, but I want to say Bruff is like, or maybe it's Halford. Who knows? But it was one of the two. They were just like, oh, it's it's an asterisk. I mean, as much I'd rather legitimate Stanley Cup win. And I was just like, no, man. Like, I mean, yeah, I would. It's not the ideal way to win, but it's their first cup. It would still be awesome for the city. They would finally have one, and this is still going to be an incredible dueling tournament. Yeah, you might even argue more happens in against time so I, if they were to win it maybe some people wouldn't like that but I personally would be totally fine with it mm-hmm. what are you going to be wearing to the social distancing zoom Stanley Cup parade um, yeah full hazmat suit I don't know just, uh, you know the wife and I would have masks on and everyone hopefully would be respectful with their distance but uh, I kind of feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves now I, I no no no, we're the, no embrace the fake baby they're winning the cup this year just uh, hey, tell you tell. Let me tell you something. If they beat the Wild, City's getting on the bandwagon. I can see. I can picture now the car flags on all the cars rocking down Granville. It's happening, baby. It's it's happening. Only just because once we've had playoff hockey in the city, I think yeah, people would be on board very quickly. And you know how much the city loves the bandwagon. So if the Canucks get past the Wild, yeah, the city's on board with uh, with the Cup run. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I want to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
totally healthy. Uh, I'm not saying they would be a favorite to win the cup by any stretch. When they're totally healthy, isn't that bad? So, I mean, the fact that they're going into a totally healthy, and yes, every the fact that the Canucks will be healthy means they have they have a, they have a chance to do some damage if they make it in. Yeah, Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom will be the reason if they go on the run this year. Good. Yeah, and and if he does, they better resign him because that I'm not sure about. I want to get into a bit of your career a bit. How did so? How did uh? How did a young Andy Cole get into radio, and then end up at Halford and Bruff at TSN 1040? Take me through the career path. Well, I wasn't that young when I got into it. I was. Uh, I went back to school at BCIT for the radio program at 29. I was okay. Uh, oh, okay, so you were you were the old guy in the, in the program. I was. There of the 30 kids, I want to say there was maybe third of them were around my. One else was younger. I had always liked radio. Like I remember trying to get into the program right out of high school when I was 18. And that, at that time, they said I was too young, ironically. This would have been like early 2000s, like 2002, I tried to get in. I didn't get in. And then my life just went in a different direction anyways because I, I played music for a long time and I traveled a lot for that. So I wasn't really you – know, that, that was my kind of my main thing for a long time. And, and then when the whole music thing stopped, I was like, well, I want to try something else. And I always remembered loving radio, so – I went back to BCIT, tried to get in. I got in, and it was a two-year program. And uh, from there, I got an internship. Uh, I actually interned at where Six Fifths is, although it wasn't there. Yeah. I interned at News 1130, but it's the same. So I was I interned at News 1130 for, I want to say, a month. Did sports radio there. Saw how they did it. Was really into it. Got a job from that in Kamloops, and I was in Kamloops for three years at Radio NL, doing the, that's the Blazers radio station, so doing hockey there, and uh, unfortunately lost my job, well, everyone did, like, they ended up canning, I want to say, three quarters of the staff when they got bought out, and so I was out of work for about, I shot from Martin Message, my boss, hey man, is there anything at 1040, and actually, there is, if you're interested, and uh, so obviously I was, I wanted to work there 1040 was like my dream station i've been listening to it since pretty much i got out of school since it became a thing in the early 2000s but i always wanted to come back to vancouver and work in sports radio if i had the opportunity and i was fortunate enough to get it and eventually i guess t-mart realized stupid quirky sense of humor fit well with health and bruff and it was like hey that's going to be a good fit so we'll throw you there on fridays and so now that's one of my many duties there yeah so you shot your shot essentially yeah, I went for broke. Uh, I lucked up. Uh, two questions from our usual, I guess it's sort of a segment now with our interviews. Questions from Kyle Bound. Kyle Bound, of course, hosts a Sippin' on a 40, hosts a Silken Filthy here on the Next Wisconsin Artwork. He's got two questions for you. First of all, his first question, do you, ha- do you have the easiest job in the world? Because guys like Halford and Bruff, I've been I've been you know reading, listening to their stuff for you know ten plus years. It seems like their chemistry is just so undeniable. So is it as easy as you know hit record and make sure you like everyone sounds good? Oh well, easy in terms of the quality of content they put out. That's not difficult because yeah, those guys are so good together and so funny and charismatic. They've been doing it. David, they have they've been working together for what like ten plus years, at least. Because yeah. they were in the curtain blog first. Yeah. Blog at a, on Team Ten Forty back in the day, I remember. And uh, then I want to say they both worked at Bodog together, the ESPN, so or not ESPN, sorry, NBC. Um, and then they came back to Ten Forty. So yeah, those guys are for so long now that chemistry is very apparent. And uh, 
can win that you don't have to like try and get high end content out of them because they just as you turn the mic on and let them do their thing, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he also asked, "Who's who's funnier, Alfred or Bruff?" You have to you have to answer this question by the way. No cop outs. That, oh no, I can't. Oh, because they might hear this. I don't know. Come on, okay. Who's who's slightly funnier? Not just straight up funny. Who's like? Who do you laugh at a bit more? I'm sorry. I honestly, they both make me. And I'm not just. I want to keep my job. But honestly, they both make me laugh. Okay, there is one guy that's honestly that fun. I will say this. How about this? I'll I'll give you this. Okay. Some days where one of them is funnier. Than the other. Yeah. And it's not. I'll go both ways. Like I might work a show where Ruff has both good one-liners. I might work a show where Halford has both one-liners. Uh, has more good one-liners, uh, but th- I would say they're honestly they're both equally funny. What what would you say that leans towards more, Halford or Bruff? Who's funnier? Who has the best one-liners most of the days? I'm trying honestly, to pull this out. I'm trying to reel this answer out. Honestly, all like the last show I worked, I want to say Bruff made me laugh more, but for that, more. honestly, there isn't. I can't see one or the other. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, who's the biggest diva? Halford or Bruff? Who's the who's the bigger diva of the two? Well, Bruff definitely work harder. <laughs> Halford's a lot more laid back. Bruff is uh, uh, Bruff is definitely more uh, hands on in terms of the production side of it, whereas Halford sort of more leans back. And uh, but that's normal. Like every, I pretty much every host combo is kind of like that. There'll always be one guy that's a little more. Um, hands-on in terms of the production side of it and one guy that might or, or woman that might lean more and just sort of let things uh happen as they do and that's just a, a personality type thing more than anything right yeah absolutely so here's a, an actual serious question what does a, a radio producer do well besides just pushing all the buttons you're the audio you line up the guests uh you do all the social media podcasting which sound like it's a lot you know, the social media podcasting side of it, like 85% of the job, like it takes a lot of work to do that. Um, so that's a huge portion of it, uh, doing podcasting and social media. But yeah, obviously just making sure the board is board is working and the levels are good and you're hitting things when you're supposed to hit and finding audio when you're supposed to find it. And a lot of it's just, a lot of the job is just on the fly too, because you plan obviously the show the night before, but um, a lot of it you just sort of improvise and especially with those two, you talk about something and then all of a sudden you're a body for the thing you just talked about. And every, a lot of, a lot of it's very improv and on the fly. And that's a lot of the work as well. Cause you sort of have to have to uh, do your show prep as you're going live. And that, and that takes a lot of work. So, mm-hmm. so usually it's, I know it's crossover week at TSN 10 for you this week, but usually Halford and Bruff is the morning show. You start at 6am. Are you officially a morning person now? No, I hate the mornings. That's the one <laughs> part of the job I don't like. Cause I got to get up at three 30 in the morning oh. and yeah, no, I, and I, and that goes back to my first job at Kamloops cause I there as well, where I'd be getting up. Before. No, I, I hate mornings. If I had I would get up at 11 AM, but unfortunately in radio, that's not uh, something you're usually able to do. And that's the way it goes. Yeah. So like, what do you do? With, does it take you that long again, the studio or is there actually like a lot of prep work to go in Halford and Bruff? Um, yeah. Like I, if I get it, at, I'll get it at four in the morning and there's usually, Two hours of prep work that I set everything up, uh, and then they get in like maybe five thirty, like half an hour before it goes on, and then there's a couple hours the night before prep as well. You just you know lining up audio and guests and stuff like that. So yeah, no, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. 
because you don't just want to sit there and hope you can come up with stuff. You have to obviously have a game plan talking about, okay. especially, especially right now, isn't tons of sports news. So you have to sort of work that much harder to find what you're going to speak about. And obviously, a lot of times that leads real world stuff and not everyone loves that. Some people obviously want to keep real world politics, sports, all three of those things separate. We all we always try and know if there's something worth discussing. And obviously right now that in the world there's a lot of stuff happening that's way more important than sports. So yeah. It's definitely definitely stuff you need to talk about. Yeah, and I remember the episode last Monday was really good. And you guys I think did a really good job breaking down like what's going on in the world, everything. Like is there a bit do you have a bit of hesitation before you do those types of shows, because you you did mention the backlash, some people they oh stick the sports crowd. Do you do you get a bit nervous before those shows, or is it something like you have like we feel as a, we have a platform, obviously Halford and Breath, we have to talk about this sort of stuff. No, I, I, I love it actually. I mean, I, well, love is a bad word because of what's happening is not good at all. But I look forward to out the problems of the world and the injustices of it, and I think our duty is as people that have that ability to speak up about. It, I mean, some people don't like that. As I said, the stick to sports crowd, but I don't care personally. Like, I want to talk about it. It's important to talk about. People need to talk about it. And staying silent and complicit to the issues. So I, I feel it's something about, and uh, I don't have any doing it, and I'm, I'm glad the hosts, uh, Halford and Bruff, don't either. It's, it's important that we discuss it. And, you know, that might bother some people, but I really don't care. It's just it's something we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Was that one of your favorite? Would you say that's like a, already a highlight of your time with Health and Bruff? Is that episode? Because I found it really great for a for a sports talk radio show. I think you guys did a great job breaking it down. I was really proud of them. Yeah, I mean, I, it was. I mean, how could you not talk about it? I, yeah, realizes what we do because sports, at the end of the day, are just so unimportant compared to what is happening. And it was like that with COVID, and it still is. And now with all the social, racial unrest down south, it's even more, it's even more upfront because you have to speak about more. you have two going on at once that are sort of compounding on top of each other. And I have an added uh, uh, motivation as well because both my wife and we have all American families, so it might hit us a little bit harder, especially her because she's in the states her whole life. Like I've, I'm born and raised in Vancouver, but my family's all American. So it hits us especially hard because we are directly connected to people that are being affected by it down there. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've said it before and others have said it as well. It's kind of good that there aren't sports at the moment because it makes it, makes it so that everybody is forced to look front and what is happening. Not part. You mentioned, you mentioned your wife now. For doing the research, my research for these interviews, it's very different from your experience from Halford Bruff. It's Googling your name 15 minutes before the show starts and trying to find some articles. Now, I found this article from Daily Hive from friend of the show and inaugural guest, Rob Williams. I think I know the one you're talking about. Canucks fan marries the enemy in unique hockey-themed wedding. Uh, so your wife is a Bruins fan. Like, How the hell did that happen? Well, we... Yeah, I know it's an, it's an unlikely uh, story, I guess, in terms of sports uh, fandom. But by the way, um, you got that. That is a great photo that you provided, Rob. You, your wife. I assume I assume that's your family and friends all around you with with hockey jerseys. That's really cool. Yeah, it was a small wedding. It was just a close family and friends that came. 
uh, because it was sort of a, it wasn't something that we had way, way, way in advance. The planning side of it was just more, we just wanted people to come up and sell. But no, we, we met on Twitter out of all places and uh, sort of love blossomed from there. And we found each other through there. And eventually I got her to come up to Camel to hang out with me and uh, everything went from there. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So whereabouts in the States is she from? Uh, just, just Washington State. Oh, okay, exactly. perfect. Nice, easy drive. Yeah, yeah, not far away. She, she's from uh, the Tri Cities area, which is like maybe seven hours south of Kamloops. Oh, okay. So afterwards, they said you headed to the Dirty Jersey Sports Bar and Grill. So that was like that was a wedding reception. It was wings? Yep, wings and hockey, and uh, it was a very sports. We all went to a Blazers game, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great night. I like the. Uh, I also like the photo you provided of just married with the hearts on the back of the jerseys. I noticed you don't have a jersey with a nameplate and number. Was that was that by was that purposely done for the wedding? No, actually, I've never been a huge jersey guy to be honest. I want to say I've only owned a couple of my life prior. To that. I actually bought that jersey from a sporting goods store in Canada. Oh, nice. Wedding, I just didn't have a nice new one. Since then, I've bought jerseys, or I've had jerseys given to me with nameplates on the back but no at the time it's just because that's the only jersey that i own so that's what we went with but actually her mom's a great seamstress and she was the one that sewed the hearts on the back and did all that stuff and uh uh but yeah so your uh your twitter bio says formerly andy cole 84 until the uh quote incident what exactly was the incident is it something super bad first of all oh it's well I did some of your my... old tweets got dug, dug up no i i made my Kind of name for my on my old account through just putting music and stuff. Oh, so that, okay. Andy Coley primarily just put, I mean, yep. Um, and so I, I want to say it was a tweet from like 26. It was like 29 about the season to sit. But oh. Three years later, Disney ended up sending me this letter uh, because I put the Darth Vader. Th- Real March theme overall hockey gift, and they didn't. And so Twitter deactivated the account. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I had like 5,000 followers. I'd had 2,000 gone. So I was like, okay, well, that's fun. So I started a new account, but whatever. I didn't, it didn't really bother me that much. Whatever. It's just Twitter. Okay. So so the lesson is don't fuck with Mickey Mouse. Exactly. I know you're, we mentioned off the top, you're a big Simpsons fan. So how I want to end this interview is. Your top three episodes of The Simpsons. Um, Last Exit to Springfield is my favorite. That's the one uh, least dental plan episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Favorite. Uh, number two would probably be the Halloween special with the vampires, when, where Mr. Burns is a vampire. That's probably my number two. And number three, then I have like probably 20 different episodes I could put in number three, but. Um, Maybe because I watched it the most recently, but maybe the Cape Fear episode would be number three. Okay. Just because I watched Cape Fear. I'd never seen it before for some reason, and it's on Netflix, so it's out. Go and watch it. And it was a, but then I, it made the Simpsons episode version much more because it's just such a good parody. Like, they did such a good job, like, perfectly emulating all the scenes. So if you watch that Simpsons episode right after Cape Fear, you'll probably appreciate it even more. So then I... I hockey episode as well because i mean as a hockey fan yeah definitely up there is one of my two so you've definitely thought about this a lot oh yeah i've i've spent far my life thinking about depressingly 
So the episode I was recently watching was the one with uh, when Homer starts the vigilante group. That's an underrated episode. Great episode. Um, I mean, you got to give a shout out to like the episode's amazing. Pretty much the first like Halloween specials are all off. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many classics. You can't, it's so hard to make a list. Mm-hmm. I, res- I, I'm not, I never got too big into the Treehouse Horror Halloween episodes, but I respect that those like all your favorite episodes. Respect. Oh, yeah. And every Halloween, we'll throw the first seven of them on. Just and we'll do do America. That's that's something. Here. Okay, my final question: Who is your favorite side character from The Simpsons? It's a lot, not like the immediate Simpson family, but outside, who's your favorite? That's a tough one. I mean, I love. I think probably just because he's so, he, his wealth makes it so lampoon so many funny topics. I would probably say Mr. Burns, if not because of him as a character, like the stuff you could do with the character around him, because he has like unlimited wealth, so you can make just all sort and sort of bits from that. So probably say Mr. Burns, and the the stuff that's associated with him is probably what makes me laugh the most. See, I've always been a big uh, Hans Molman fan. I'm talking about tertiary tertiary characters. Like he's he's probably been my favorite. One of the best. One of the absolute best. Yeah. Football. Yeah, <laughs> I like the one where it's like drinking's ruined my life. I'm 31 years old. There's a gremlin on the side of the bus. I just made my last payment. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, is a, that's the best part of that show. Is there's like 50 side characters that probably had their own team. Also good. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, thank thanks again for doing this. Thanks for taking uh, the time out of your busy day. Uh, is there anything you want to plug like before we leave? you listen to crossover week every day of this week because all three shows are completely messed up and uh they'll have completely different guests so just go to at tsn 1040 on twitter to see the schedule who's going with who but it'll be anything like last week which was awesome yeah and i'll, I'll, I'll be morning with halford and price i think so that'll be interesting yeah absolutely yeah yeah thanks again for uh thanks again for doing this i appreciate it hopefully we can have you on again soon please All right. Thanks to Andy Cole of TSN 1040 of Halford & Bruff for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Very much appreciated, as always. Now, we mentioned it off the top. It's the return of a beloved segment. Hasn't been going on for a while, but I'm bringing it back this week. It's the return of Way to Go, Jimmy. I'm ahead of them. Way to go, Jimmy, where we chronicle the trials and tribulations of one Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal. Now, a lot of times on this segment, we like to, we like to clown Jim Matheson, right, folks? Don't we love to do that? We just love to take a big dump on his hockey takes because they're usually pretty bad. Still, my, probably my favorite moment in hockey Twitter history is the solid feels like three, four months where Jim Madison is openly and shamelessly shilled for Keith Gretzky. And that was hilarious for all, if you have, if you like journalistic integrity, all the wrong reasons. But guess what? Jim Madison, his hockey takes may be questionable. But ever since, it all, all it took was a global pandemic for us to see 
the political takes of Jim Matheson, and folks, he doesn't miss. He does not miss on the political takes. So this is him, June 1st, 2020. This is right after President Trump made that speech at the White House Rose Garden. He said, this show of military force on U.S. citizens is what they do to in North Korea. Bit of a typo there, but we can, we can ignore that. No, yeah, no, right. Jim, Jim nailed it. Jim nailed it. This, that is what they do in North Korea. If you saw something like that happen in Russia or Turkey, you'd be, yeah, that's probably part for the course. Or as Jimmy said, North Korea. But he's not done here. This is in response to Steve McIntyre. Verified account, don't know what he does. Steve said, hey, Jim, I've known you for a little bit, but honestly, until you live down here and experience what's going on firsthand, please leave politics alone. This is nothing like North Korea. And Jim was having none of it, none of it. Clap back. Sending in the troops, this is what Jim said, sending in the troops to tear gas protesters who were behaved outside the White House in a show of force so the streets could be clear for a Trump photo op outside a church. That is more dictatorship than democracy to me, Steve. Another 10 out of 10 tweet from Jimmy. He's, again, 100% right there. More dictatorship than democracy. Hard to argue with that at this point. Okay, and then, and then, and then Steve, the Steve McIntyre guy, just got clowned again. He responds, what would you do, Jim? Would you let these crazies run roughshod on you? It's funny when these crazies come in knocking on your door, threatening you and your family and damaging your livelihood. What would be your response be? Again, like Steve McIntyre doesn't sound like a very smart guy, does he? Media is driving this engine. He hits him with a shrug emoji. Jim Madison replies, Sorry, Steve. I appreciate your feelings, but I'm so tired of people saying it is the media fanning this. Trump is the least presidential leader I have ever known. And just because I have not lived in the U.S. doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. Those were peaceful protesters. My God, Jim. Jim. Jim, that was amazing. We got we to gotta play some music for, for Jim here. Jim, you're a king. You're a king. Never, don't stop with these, don't stop with these takes. Keep going in. You have a fan now. And myself, Nicholas Bondi of the Nexus Conduct Network. You have a fan from the whole network. Keep doing what you're doing, man. We, we, yes, at the Nexus Conduct Network, appreciate, appreciate you. And that's, uh, that's this week's show. Again, this was Power of the Purell, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. You get this show every week. You've got Sipping on 40 coming back. Silky and Filthy this week on a Thursday. The Quickie's coming back soon. Hey, Trevor Banks was grinding, man. He was, he was making an episode every week, every day, sorry, even harder, breaking down every single NHL team. Deserves a bit of a break. But yeah, this is this week's episode of Power of the Purell for the Nux Misconduct Network. Thank you for listening.